right. Wapuna Chapel, good morning. Yeah, yeah. My name is Kaipo Thomas, one of the pastors here. I uh, got the great honor and privilege to bring God's word uh, this morning. And uh, if you're catching up with us for the first time, we're going through the book of First Thessalonians. It's one of two letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. Uh, we specifically been looking at um, a two-word phrase, uh, love God. And that first week we talked about uh, being able to love God because he first loved us. And uh, the second week we talked about how that love for God uh, should result in love for others. Uh, Jesus was asked of all the commands, what is the greatest? And he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Namely, you know, love God with your entire life. And then he used the same word love in, you know, uh, the next part of that command, loving others. Sometimes we as believers have a passion for the Lord. Uh, any passionate believers in Jesus Christ this morning? Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, you know, although we may have a passion for the Lord, sometimes it doesn't always translate to a deep passion for others. Amen? Sometimes we translate loving God to loving God and loving others to loving God and tolerating others. But that's not what it says there. Um, today, we're, we're talking about loving God in our afflictions. And uh, I'm not going to talk too much about afflictions uh, in the beginning of our message. I'm going to spend most of our time talking about uh, what we are being afflicted for, or in Paul's case, what he was being afflicted for. See, Paul's life got radically transformed when he was encountered by uh, Jesus Christ. So the resurrected Lord Jesus visited him on the road to Damascus when Paul was traveling, and Paul's life forever changed and from that moment he took the reality of Jesus being not just man but fully God yeah and we know that message as the gospel or the good news the fact that Jesus was more than a man that he was the true son of God and uh, the reality of that in our lives and our faith in him yeah will result in not just our sins being forgiven but our lives being cleansed also. And so today I want to spend a good portion of our time talking about this gospel message that Paul uh, was afflicted, um, or how do I want to state that? I want to spend some time talking about the message that Paul endured much opposition and affliction to, to, to take to the world, yeah? So as Paul preached the gospel, yeah, he suffered um, persecution because of the gospel and this morning um, I want to just focus on the truth that that we can love God as we take the gospel out and maybe have to endure some afflictions along the way amen but I think if we talk about the the actual gospel and how it really is good I think many of us will, will run with more perseverance than we are maybe more endurance than we currently are uh, because it is a good news that has been transforming lives for the last 2,000 years, and it's still transforming lives on Maui today. Amen? So let's pause and pray, and we'll, we'll get into this morning's message. Uh, Jesus, thank you for this day. Uh, this is the day that you have made, and we rejoice in it. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, into um, the world. Thanks for sending him into our lives 
for those here this morning who are faithful followers of you, um, it's happened because uh, one, you've encountered him, and, and two, there's been explanation to your encounter, and it's come through the gospel. It's come through the good news. Um, and so this morning, as we talk about this good news, God, I pray that um, you would make it good, that you would come this morning and, and attest to its um, the value of it, and uh, I pray that we would be equipped this morning and encouraged this morning to, to take it out, God, into the world that we're living. So we need you to do that, Lord. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So as Paul uh, spent time in Thessalonica, by the time he arrives in Thessalonica, he's 45, 50. He's been ministering for about 15 to 20 years. You know, for the most part, he's, he's seasoned, he's highly educated. Um, if there's anybody who knew the Jewish law then, it was Paul and the Pharisees. And anybody who knew the connections of the Old Testament scriptures and how they pointed to the Messiah, it was Paul. Probably one of the only few Pharisee converts that we know of in scripture. I mean, I'm sure there are others, but Paul is the, the famous one, really, the one that we know the most of. And so he was a Jew um, uh, by birth in his training, and he stuttered on, under Gamaliel and became a Pharisee. So he, he knew the doctrine he was encountered by Jesus Christ, and from then on, he just kept on using the scriptures to point people back um, to the truth that Jesus is the Son of God. And so when Paul is in Thessalonica, uh, he didn't just preach, right, as we covered last week. He, he gave of himself. When he wasn't preaching, he was hanging out and loving and caring. As we talked about last week, he was tender like a mother nursing a child. And when he was teaching them, instructing them, it says he was like a father to a son. Where he just was like firm in his delivery on what is the importance that is needed for faith. But, you know, I, I don't want to pass over this gospel of God that he was taking. It, at that time... As transformational of a message, well, the only transformational message that was going around in there. I'm not sure if, I mean, outside of the other disciples, like, who in that known world was taking a message, right, of life change and transformation to, to that, that area. Paul ends up in Greece, and for all intents and purposes, the only one who's ever taken that message up until that point that Jesus was the Son of God. And so we're going to take some time developing this. So the gospel of God, right, really is good news. Um, in the Greek, translated euangelion, 77 times in the New Testament, the word that we use to get evangelists, yeah, or evangelical. The entirety of scripture, so cover to cover Bible, can be summarized in the good news, yeah? And so Paul writing uh, to the church in Corinth, so 1 Corinthians 15 is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. People who were non-believers pre-Paul coming there and bringing the gospel, bringing the good news. But post them receiving the good news, they became believers in Jesus Christ. Amen? Right? Faithful followers of the Lord, knowing that God was alive and that God was real. And we have favor, right? Because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so Paul writing a letter back to this church in Corinth. 
He summarizes the gospel in just a few verses. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also re received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, as I was talking about earlier. So Paul is a Pharisee. So he didn't have, right, soft cover, hard cover Bible. He didn't have Bible app. They had scrolls, and they didn't have the New Testament. Like, he was living in the New Testament. He was a Pharisee who had studied the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written in scrolls. So they would open up scrolls, right, and read. And Paul would take the scrolls or go into the synagogues and find the scrolls and say, guys, here's the scriptures, right? And he would open up Isaiah and open up Psalms. Where it was these guys who had lived hundreds of years before Jesus and saying, like, here, this is the promised Messiah. This is the promised King. And so, uh, so Paul is saying the message he received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, gives it history. Like he wasn't just saying, like, this is a brand new thing. He's like, all the promises that the Jewish community have hoped for have been fulfilled in this guy, Jesus, who was from Nazareth, who was more than a man. He was the son of God. So this Jesus died for our sins. Uh, he was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. Amen? Is that good? Yeah, and so just the, the simple version of the gospel. And so for this good news, I'm going to spend some time talking about the gospel message and giving a little bit of history. So hopefully you here are, are seasoned believers uh, for two, two groups right in here for the most part. Uh, if you're a seasoned believer or you've been a believer for a while, it'll give you some uh, refreshing, yeah, some gospel message refreshing this morning. A little bit more in-depth look at why, it, why this really is good news. And if you are a visitor today or don't have faith or, you know, you're not sure about this God thing, you're going to learn all the little deep, dark secrets of Christianity today, right? At the core of our faith is this teaching. Like, this is as secret as it gets, really. Like, we hinge and we cling to this truth that Jesus was more than a man. He actually was the Son of God. And we lean our faith and trust on that truth, on that person. Yeah. And so if you're new this morning and you're just starting out this church thing, you came to the right place. Yeah, came to the right place. So uh, for the good news to become good news, it was bad news first, right? So we're starting in Genesis chapter 3. God creates this perfect place, Adam and Eve, right, given two commands. Anyone know what the first command is? Be fruitful and multiply, okay? Be fruitful and multiply. And so God gave that to the creation. He gave that to Adam and Eve. Yeah, and it says not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, as we know it, the eat of the apple, I think it was maybe an, like a, a mango. I would have for sure stumbled if it was like this Hayden mango, you know, like during summertime. Like, I, yeah, I think God is telling me to eat this. That's what I would interpret that. Um, but it was an apple for all intensive purposes, okay? And um, as they eat it, there's this separation that happens between God and humanity, yeah? A separation, right? Sin and death enter the world. And, you know, a little Bible trivia, right? The first death, right, wasn't old age. It was murder, yeah? It was murder. Something had changed. There was only four people living at the time on earth, and evil had entered the world, yeah, real quick. And so for our benefit... There was separation created, right? Not for God's benefit, because God desires relationship, right? We're his created 
the, the, the premier of all of his creation is humanity. And he wants to spend time with us and hang out with us. But because of our sinfulness, there was distance that was created. Yeah, And this is good little note-taking right here, right? The gospel message, right? So God is two things. So raise your right hand. So right hand in scripture is the right hand of authority, right hand of blessing. Jesus sits on the right hand of God. So our right hand is going to represent God today, okay? So God is two things we want to focus on today. God is holy and he's sinless. Can you say that? So God is holy and sinless. So when we're talking about holiness, holiness isn't sinlessness. Holiness is being set apart, not common. So like a holy vessel, right? So there's, say, a bunch of different cups or bowls in a room, but a certain cup and a certain bowl is going to be used for godly purposes. So it's going to be set apart from the common ones, right? It might be gold or silver, or it just holds high value. It's like your China, right, at your house. I don't know why they say China. Everything's made in China. I don't know why they call it China. Um, but, right, that, that silverware is only used for special occasions. Like, you don't use it, like, maybe only during Thanksgiving or something special. And that would be set apart from all the common ones you use. Where God is, is holy above all creation. God is separate, set apart from everything else. And, and God has in his holiness this ability about him to clean and kill at the same time. Like hand sanitizer. Yeah? This is good gospel preaching right here, okay? Write down hand sanitizer on your notes right now. Okay? So when you're able delivering God's message, you're like, what is God like? Well, he's kind of like hand sanitizer. Okay? He cleans and kills at the same time. So God creates dis- distance between us. It's not his desire because he wants relationship, but he creates distance because if sinful humans come around us, two things could happen, right? Our sins could be cleansed or we could just die because of our filth. But it's not the ideal setting because God wants a relationship with us. So God provides a way for us to journey right towards godliness. So little church history, right? So um, God chooses Abraham. You be father of many nations. He has some sons. Uh, Jacob has 12. They end up in Egypt. They stay there for a long time. They end up becoming a nation that's under Egyptian rule, um, they start being oppressed. They start praying. God hears their prayers and says, I'm going to deliver you. He raises up Moses, delivers them from Egypt. They're in the promise. They're in the, the desert headed to the promised land. And God gives Moses, for the first time, a written document, right, clearly outlining uh, what is required for his people to be godly. Like there's no interpretation. God says, here. Keep the Sabbath holy. Have no other gods above me, right? Don't murder. Don't steal, right? Don't covet your neighbor's wife or goods. Like, clearly outlined, right? A path for us to be godly. So the commands were good, right? Commands from God, commands good. But what the commands did, right? Not only set a standard for godly living, but what they did now for the first time Israel and God's people understood that they weren't like this holy God. There are 10 clear commands that God gave them and Moses would spend time interpreting them to 600 others, clear ways that people then were supposed to follow God and and be godly. But what it did was it didn't lead people 
closer to God. It actually led people further away from God because now for the first time in their lives, they understood how ungodly they were because God clearly defined to them what true godliness was. And so the commands weren't bad, but the outcome of the commands set up clarity for humans. Yeah? So God is, God is holy and sinless. Humans are not holy and we're full of sin, right? So God's sinless, we're sinful. And so the parameters are set now for humans to gauge where they stood in sight of God. Okay, so this is still bad news because God is, right, holy and we're not like him. He's sinless, we're sinful, and there's still distance, but the distance is clearer now. Is this good? You guys all right? Okay, okay. For relationship between God and humanity to be restored, the righteous requirements of the law, the Ten Commandments, needed to be met. So we get a couple scriptures from the New Testament. Yeah, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin many of times is death. Yeah, like capital punishment there. You didn't fulfill the commands of God. The ruling is death. Still bad news. In order for us to have a relationship, God, right, some things needed to be changed. So ultimately, the sin that separated us from God needed to be removed. Humans needed a cleansing, yeah, and the debt of our sin needed to be paid for. Insert into the conversation, yeah, uh, so God uh, institutes this form of worship, right, in the form of animal sacrifices, so God says, I, wanna, right, uh, I want you to spend time with me. I want you to come and worship me, but um, you still got your sin. So what we're going to do is I'm going to allow you right, the opportunity to once a year uh, grab the purest of animals and you're going to uh, sacrifice them on the altar and the judgment that was due you because of your sins would be passed on to that animal. Good? tough yeah but the truth behind it right is that god wanted to spend time with humanity and so he would allow us the the form of worship and and the covering for our sins to be atoned for right or or, or the debt of our sins to be paid for there's a couple of scriptures, Hebrews chapter 9, 22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so this uh, form of, uh, uh, this opportunity for us to make sacrifices because of our sin behavior provides the framework for Jesus to come into the world and die on the cross. So the imagery is that Jesus right, comes and he's known as the, the slain lamb. Yeah. And a couple of scriptures. So Paul writes a letter to the church in Rome. Right, This is a little bit later in his life. He would write, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. And we're talking about the law, we're talking about the Ten Commandments, yeah? We're talking about the, the 600 or so other Mosaic laws that were added there. And so, uh, 
so God does, right, um, what the law could not do. And he, he did that by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be met. And so what did Jesus yeah, accomplish right on the cross? Ultimately, Jesus was condemned in our place. And this is where the gospel message, right? This is the hook. This is where it goes from bad news to good news. Where God is holy and sinless, man is not holy and sinful. There's a separation because of our sin, and that's not ideal. So God sends this opportunity for, for uh, Israel to, to worship him through uh, sin offerings. That was a shadow of Jesus. So Jesus shows up, right? He takes the place of the slain lamb. And in the place of the lamb that is in place of us, Jesus gives his life. Yeah? And this is the hook, right? This is the good news. This is why it's not bad news anymore. Because through Jesus, we now have access to the Lord. 2 Corinthians, right? Paul's second letter he wrote to the church in Corinth. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying it that way because we, for many of you who read the Bible, you just read like, oh, 1 Corinthians, this book. But it's actually two people that Paul reached through the power of Jesus Christ that did not know the gospel. They did not know Christ. But he took this good news to them and said, hey, Jesus, this guy who's born in Nazareth, right, came and did some awesome things, mostly he died on the cross, he died, and he rose again. And if we can have faith in Jesus Christ, yeah, not only will we be saved, but we'll be cleansed. You know, and he's taking this message. So he's sending a letter back to his church in Corinth, and he says, guys, pay attention. For our sake, he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, the Son, to be sin who knew no sin. This is good. Yeah. This is good. This is the mercy of God. What does the mercy of God look like in a symbol? The cross. Right? Where there's a righteous judgment that needed to be poured out on sinful man. God who is holy knowing what is not holy. God who is sinless knowing what is sin. And that debt that was created by sinful humans needed to be paid. And what is the good news of the gospel is that God makes an opportunity for us to come to know him through his son who bore the stripes on his shoulders. Yeah, the crown of thorns on his head. And he was nailed brutally, shamefully on the cross. Why? Not because he was wrong, but because we were wrong. Not because... He ultimately was condemned, but because we were condemned. Yeah, we were sentenced to death because of our misbehavior. And Jesus steps in, yeah, in our stead and takes our place. He who knew no sin became sin. He who was sinless became the, the sinful one for us. Not that he acted sin, but he was the sin offering. He took our place. We should have been on the cross. And Jesus says, 
I'll take your place today. Good? Yeah, that's the good news. Right? That's the transformational message right there that Paul took to the unknown or the known world there that didn't know of this God. Paul would send a letter to the church in Colossae. Yeah, so Colossians 1.20. In him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. And how was peace made? By the blood. We receive peace because of the blood that Jesus shed in his beatings and on the cross and in the grave. Paul would continue and says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he now reconciled in his body yeah, of flesh by his death. Because of our sin, alienated, separated from God. Not ideal, but sometimes for our own benefit because maybe we wouldn't have made it, you know? But we who were far off have been brought near because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so what's the result, yeah? I'll give you, I mean, there's so many places that I can go with this. So 1 Thessalonians 1, 4. Right, we talked about this two weeks later. The result of what Jesus did on the cross is that we're received into God's family. Right? We're addressed as sons and daughters of God. Anybody excited this morning? Come on, right? We were alienated, separated from God, but God is receiving us as his own now. Yeah? Being loved by him, being chosen, selected to be a part of his family. And here, here's a good one in Paul's letter to the church in Rome, chapter 3, 21. He says, uh, 24, you are justified by his grace. Yeah? Uh, maybe this isn't that, uh, uh, maybe it doesn't, doesn't get you excited, but let me help you. So it's one thing about justified, right? I, th I think two things. One, half the people in here are like, just the water, you know? Uh, you know? Like, especially when I hang out with the teenagers, they're like, just you know? Um, and so, so I've thought of a simple way for them to understand justification or, or to be justified by God. So every time they see this word, I, I tell them to, to think about just as if nothing happened. So we are treated by God just as if nothing happened by grace. So we who are sinful, treated by the sinless God, just as if all that we've done in our lives never did happen. Why? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. That Jesus covered our sins, right? And by our faith in him, not only are we forgiven of those sins, but cleansed. So 1 John First um, John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, right, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin deeds, but get this, also cleanse us, right, of our unrighteousness. Anybody need a cleansing this morning? Not just a forgiving? I mean, it all happens simultaneously, but, but you got to know that that is part of the gospel message, that God doesn't the goal of Christianity, right, on God's side isn't just sinlessness. He wants a relationship. And so when the Spirit of God comes into our lives, right, not only are we forgiven of our sins, but 
We're made whole again. Paul would write in his second letter to the church in Corinth that we're made new, right? The old is gone and the new has come. Anybody experience that in your lives, right? There's a brand new freshness again. Like I don't have the same desires and I don't talk the same. I, I love seeing, and, and maybe some of you guys have seen that, right, in, in, in the lives of people that you have interacted with. Literal complexion change. Like when they come to know Jesus as their risen Lord, like you're like, whoa, you're a different person. You look differently. You talk differently. Like there's a, there's a change. Like I can see the change. And, it, and, and there should be a visible change because now the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, right, is raising us from the dead to new life in Jesus. Right? And this is the good news. The scriptures that we're getting this morning are letters that Paul wrote to churches that he visited who were not believers. And he just presents the gospel in its different ways, right? My friends, if there's anything that we should spend our time studying, knowing it's this message, the good news gospel that Christ came, he lived, he loved, he died on the cross went to the grave, came back from the dead three days later to prove that he was not a lunatic, to prove that he actually was the son of God. And by our faith and trust in that Jesus, we have the great opportunity to come and commune with the all-holy God. Yeah? It would do us well to spend time studying and uh, dialoguing with one another and diagnostic, you know, like studying and diving into this, this good gospel message so that when the opportunity arises, we can deliver it. Because sometimes we might just have a few seconds. Sometimes we have longer periods of time to go develop it a little bit deeper. Sometimes you got to, you know, explain God through justification or use that, you know, Romans 3.24, justification, just as if nothing happened. You can preach the word through that one verse right there. Hand sanitizer. You don't have to know a verse. Use hand sanitizer. What is God like? Hand sanitizer. Yeah? But, but it would do us well to be able to hold this gospel message well, to be able to dialogue with people well, right? Because this is the passageway, right, where people come to a deeper understanding of who the, the all-holy God is. So I'm here is more excited, right? That as we talk about the gospel, I'm hoping that, that you grab a little bit of the deeper meaning behind it. The simple form, right? Some tools along the way, but also the deeper meaning behind the good news of Jesus Christ. And so this gospel, right, is good news. People need to hear it. Paul was entrusted with it. And it came with a cost. You see, the gospel came to Paul free but it wasn't free for jesus it cost jesus his life so that paul would get the grace for free and paul would take this message right to the unsaved world the gentiles around his area and it would be free for them but it wasn't free for paul see paul had to endure much affliction in his delivery of, yeah, this message. And us this morning, many of us have received the gospel message for free. 
Like this morning, you're receiving it for free. I had to do all the study, you know? Like, but you're receiving it free today. And I love it. Receive the gospel message this morning free. I hope it sets you free, right? I hope there's a lot of freedom in this place. I hope you leave here empowered knowing that God went to a far extent so that we could have a relationship with him. But it may not be, uh, it may cost you something to share this gospel with somebody else. And my question to you this morning is, are you willing to pay it? Are you willing to make the sacrifices needed in order for somebody who has no knowledge of God or maybe a little knowledge of God to come to a deeper understanding of Him? Are you willing to spend some time studying a little bit more in depth? Are you willing to dialogue with other believers and just sharpening one another in, in, in the message that has transformed this world? Are willing to spend some time and make some effort, right, so that we can understand this. So when the opportunity puts itself in front of us, because there, I mean, there may be other things happening, right? There, our time may be shortened. You may, be, you may have fears or questions or anxiety. But hopefully we've spent some time studying the gospel enough to know that the message we deliver, even though we may have some struggles in our spirits, the message itself isn't compromised. You following me? If you're here this morning, you're, you're, you're not a believer and somebody invited you to church, you're totally off the hook, okay? I'm, I'm glad they brought you. Yeah, I'm glad you came. You get to hear what the gospel message is. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, yeah, this is our mission, right? This is the commission. This is what Jesus says when he leaves his last words. He says, go and make disciples. How do you make disciples? You take the good news of the gospel and you embed it in your life and and maybe you share, right, the gospel through your words, but definitely you want it to come out through your lifestyle. And it would do us well to spend time just thinking about this. Um, it's good, it's good, we're good, we're good. Okay, so I want to I spend some, we'll shift a little bit, we'll do story time with Pastor Kaipo. Um, so I want to read two, two uh, lengthier scriptures this morning. Um, Acts chapter 16 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. So Acts chapter 16 is uh, Paul's journey towards Greece. So his second mission, yeah, he starts in Antioch, goes through um, what is southern Turkey, right? Tarsus, where he was, he was born, and, and he would head through Lystra, Iconium, uh, Derby. These are names that are going to come up in our reading. And he had already done one pass through, through this, this green area, um, uh, in his first mission. So he was going back again and encouraging some of the churches again. And as we'll see, there are believers that are present in his second roundabout. Um, and he's gonna, his, his end goal or God's goal for him is to end up in, in Greece. Uh, we have it on here as Thessaloniki. I'll refer to it as Thessalonica, which is uh, one of, at that time, one of the more major ports in, in Rome. Um, but I want to talk about just the the months and, and weeks prior to his time in Thessalonica, Acts chapter 16. We'll have the scriptures on um, the screen for you, but I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. You guys can follow along. We good? You guys good? Yeah? Um, more of you guys are awake now than Friday night. Okay, Friday night, was like, 
people work long days and you know they're passing out so if you it's hot in here you know um and you got to sleep it's all good acts chapter you can read on your own okay um so acts chapter 16 um first one paul came also to derby and lystra those are two of the cities that um we had highlighted on the screen a disciple was there named timothy uh, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And, and I love that. There's believers in Jesus Christ, right, in these areas. And, and how did that happen? In Paul's first journey, right, he takes the good news of the gospel message and he does a, a roundabout in Galatia, which is like that whole green area, yeah? And Paul preaches the gospel. He hangs out with people. He talks with them, lets them know, like, this is the good news of the gospel. People come, they, they, they uh, well, Timothy's mom was Jewish, so she comes to understand that Jesus is the true promised Messiah, the true promised Christ. And she starts following, right? She starts praying. She starts learning more about scripture so that when Paul does the second roundabout, not only is she still a believer, but get this, her son is a believer now. And not just a believer, but he's like an up and coming, like steward of the word, a steward of the gospel. So that not only does his family know he's a believer and his town knows a believer, but the neighboring towns know that he's an upcoming, like faithful follower of Jesus Christ by that time. A short amount of time. I mean, it hadn't been that long from Paul's first roundabout to his second roundabout. Like a handful of years had passed by. But in that time, right, God's word was preached. It was implanted in their hearts. It had start, started to uh, birth life and fruits, right, from, uh, uh, from its truth. And, and so not just in, in their family, but in the people around them, they started to recognize that, man, this guy Timothy, he's a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Like, early, you know, early on in his life. So, it's good, right, for us to understand, like, the, the, the context of what is happening. So, Paul starts off on this journey. He ends up in, right, this town and then finds out that there's a follower of Timothy. Like, in my mind, prior to studying this, I always thought that Timothy was, like, his boy for a long time prior to this. But Timothy was picked up along the way. It's good. I was, I'm excited. Okay. It's good. Um, so verse 2, right? So uh, he was well spoken of by the brothers in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. What a great honor. Amen? What a great honor for Timothy to go from, save, uh, from sinner to saved and now on a mission. Yeah? On a mission. Kind of should be the parent of our lives, right? To go from sinner to saved to on a mission. On a mission. Verse 3. Paul and, oh, uh, yeah, so Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because the Jews who were in those places, um, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Uh, Timothy didn't need to be circumcised for the gospel to have weight behind it. But Timothy was willing to be sacrificed. I mean, circumcised, right, in order that there wouldn't be any stumbling block as they took the gospel message to Jewish communities. There was a cost behind Timothy, right, 
being a deliverer of God's word. And it was circumcision as a young adult. Committed, no? Yeah, committed. They were, try to get in, Paul. What do I got to do? Cir circum what? Yeah. Timothy, you're going to get circumcised. And then let's go. Let's go take the gospel news. And here's the outcome. Uh, verse 4. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Amen? There was an early cost, right, to Timothy. He was willing to pay it. The outcome of him willing to pay the cost was a, the gospel message free for other believers. And what was the outcome? Faith. Yeah. There's a cost, right, for us to deliver the gospel free to other people. Timothy was willing to pay it. Yeah. Are we willing to pay it? Well, praise God. We probably don't have to get circumcised, though. Just throwing that out there. Okay, verse 6. And they went through the region of uh, Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to uh, Musia, they attempted to go into uh, Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Muthia, uh, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia standing there urging him and saying come over to Macedonia and help us and when Paul had seen the vision immediately we we sought to go into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them you know as we uh, make the decision to go and take the good news gospel we're not going alone awesome right God had gone before him God was preparing people to receive the good news in Macedonia so God speaks to Paul in a vision and says, don't go deeper into Asia. Stay the course. Go west. Go to Macedonia. I have a people there, yeah, that I've been prepping for the good news gospel. We're not alone in this, amen? As you hear this morning, right, you seasoned believers, make that decision to commit to this good news gospel, right, to take the cause and to be people about the cause. Know that God is going before you already. And he may give you visions, right? He may talk to you and say, like, this is the person. That guy, huh, I don't like that guy, you know? This girl, what? Crazy. All she do is gossip, you know? I've been preparing them. They're ready, you know? Are you willing to trust in me? Are you willing to believe in me that I've gone before you? So let me, let me summarize uh, what kind of goes on after this in, in the rest of 16. So, so Paul uh, ministers there. He leaves. There's great increase. He ends up in, in Philippi, and they're ministering. Philippi is um, the, the group that Paul sends the letter of Philippians to. Yeah, so he writes the letter of Philippians from jail to the church in Philippi. Uh, it, it's one of the, the main ports in Rome at the time. Just a lot of things going on, a lot of people present. And Paul's there and he starts ministering. While he's there, there's a, a demon-possessed girl uh, who's like a fortune teller. Like she knows some, some things uh, through, through um, some demonic spirits. And she just keeps on nagging them day in and day out. And Paul gets to the point, he's just frustrated. And he goes, spirit, get out of her. And the girl is delivered. Amen? 
she's stoked, right? She's probably like, yeah, like, whoa, that was, right? That was different. So she's happy, but her owner, because she was a slave, her owner's not happy because he was making a fortune off of her ability to tell people their fortunes. So he raises up a crowd and says, these guys are causing havoc and blah, blah, blah. And they cast their verdicts. Paul guys are guilty and they, they uh, barrage them and start beating them. Yeah? Fresh out of Philippi. So that was in Philippi, right? Fresh out of Philippi, Paul goes to a couple more towns and he ends up a few days later in Thessalonica. So, so Paul is there ministering to these people with like, bruises on his back you know maybe he didn't have extra pairs of shirt maybe the clothes that he was wearing was blood-stained there's a cost right that needed to be paid in order that the gospel would be preached and paul was willing to pay it i mean not many of us will have to endure maybe that kind of persecution right not that i mean shucks we live in america you know there's freedom of religion here you know, maybe we might get teased or we might get separated from our family or our friends, you know. But nonetheless, it's a cost that, right, we're going to have to pay in order that people would come to know who Jesus Christ is. Uh, so, let's end our time in the letter of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I'm going to start from verse 1. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. Amen? So Paul's like loves Timothy. He's like, Timothy, you're my boy. Like, I need you around me. But I'm willing to stay in Athens alone because the faith work that we did in Thessalonica is of vast importance. Go back and exhort them. Encourage them of your faith. Because Paul was concerned, as we're going to read here, that the same people... Well, he knew that the same people who persecuted him and forced him to leave still live in Thessalonica. And if these young believers, right, are going to start walking their faith out and not worshiping the polytheistic gods of the Greeks and, and not even worshiping the, the God of the Jews, right, and pointing towards Jesus Christ as the Son of God, they were going to face persecution. And he was not willing that they would be lost. So Paul sends Timothy back and says, go encourage them in their faith. Let them know that the afflictions that you're enduring and I'm enduring are all necessary. They're light in comparison to the truth of us knowing Jesus Christ. So Paul would continue, verse 3, that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that uh, we are destined for this. Is that good? That's different from uh, 21st Christianity in America. Sometimes it gets preached to us that the result of us, uh, of us coming to Jesus Christ is, is the, the, the white picket fence and a house that you own and 2.3 kids with the faithful wife and husband. Like That isn't always the case. More times than not, people lose things when they come to know the Lord. Yeah? To stand for integrity and righteousness, to be an upright person for the Lord, sometimes you, you lose things along the way. The gain for us is so much, but some things that we hold of much value, right, we lose at times. 
I, as far as I know in my time here, we've never preached that from this pulpit, that the outcome of our faith is gain outside of knowing Jesus Christ. And, and be aware of that, believers. We live in a time right now where a lot of preachers, yeah, are famous and they're preaching a gospel that is gain-based rather than sometimes suffering-based. Scripture warns us to, to watch out for people who are preaching a doctrine that is different than what Paul preached. As we talked about last week, Paul never received anything from these people. They were non-believers, right? You're not going to talk about tithing, first message. Not only did he preach, he, he worked to provide for himself. Yeah? So just be aware. That's a little side synopsis. We live in a world where the, the deceiver is real, yeah? And there's, there's gospels that are being preached that are different than what we're reading this morning, yeah? There's a cost to us coming to faith, yeah? That Jesus paid and other people's paid. And for us to take that message to others, yeah, we may lose things along the way. Is that good? Maybe that might be not good for you. Yeah, but that's truth nonetheless. Yeah. Um, okay, let's continue. Uh, verse 5. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, um, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Amen? That there's a comfort that came to Paul that was deeper than physical. He still had the bruises, right? He still had the scars. He may have still even been bloody when he was writing this letter. But he had a deep internal comfort. Why? Because the work that he did had an outcome. And the outcome was faithfulness by people who had not been faithful prior to that. And so I want to end here on verse 8. And so Paul would write, For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. See, Paul lived in this time where he, he literally thought God was going to come back in his lifetime and he was trying to preach right, this good news to the Gentile and Jewish community so that they would be saved of their sins. So when Jesus came back, they would be ready. Just right around the corner, the Lord is going to come back. We've got to be ready. Yeah, The Lord just recently left and he said he's coming back and we've got to be ready. You know, so the question I want to leave you with this morning, uh, you can just get to that last slide. Um, is, is what extent are, are you willing to go to? What price are you willing to pay in order for somebody to come to know of this good news of Jesus Christ? Yeah. Are you willing to study? Are you willing to learn? Are you willing to dive in? I'm in. If you want to learn a little more of the gospel, let me know. Yeah, I would love to sit down and dialogue uh, just a little bit more in depth about this good news and, and Train somebody up who wants to learn a little bit more. And we'll talk about these scriptures a little bit more. You know, and, and, and fine-tune our techniques. So the moment, when the moment arises for us to be able to deliver, right? You've lived the life of a good follower of Jesus. And you've been loving on people and caring for people and, and meeting their needs. And then they get to a point where they're, they want to hear the good news. It's not a matter of what do we share, right? It's like God. 
what part of it do you want me to share, right? Like, how do you want me to package this purity of good news? Sometimes you only have a, a small moment or sometimes you have a longer, but we, we should be able to deliver with clarity as followers of Jesus why we are followers of Jesus, right? There's a good news that we have in our lives. It's been changing people for the last 2,000 years and it can still change people's lives today. Amen? Because when Paul delivered it, it was accompanied with the Holy Spirit so that the, these people in Thessalonica came with full conviction. Yeah? And the power of God was there. And as you guys go from this place this morning, yeah, I hope you're encouraged to know that God is going before you. You're not alone. Like For you to be on mission, right, tells of him being on mission, him being present in and through our lives. Um. So we're good. We're good. We're good. Let's stand together. And uh, we'll, we'll close out uh, this morning's message. Um, if you're here this morning and, and you were a, a welcomed guest and uh, maybe you're not a, a seasoned believer, welcome. I'm glad you guys are at Waipuna Chapel and you've decided to you know, spend some time with us today. Um, can I ask you to do something? Uh, not awkward and come stand up in front and give your story. None of that stuff. But if, if, you're, if you don't know if you're a believer or not this morning, will you at least come to a couple under, like two things. To know that God is real and maybe to believe that that God who's real is a good God. And then in your time today and this week and in the months ahead, uh, ask that God to show himself in your life. Because separate from him coming and saying, hey, how's it going? Like, I'm here. You may not ever become a believer. But God is in the business of revealing himself. There's not a single one of you here that's a believer today that is a believer because you want it to be one. Everybody in here who's a believer in Jesus is a believer in Jesus because he's shown himself to be true in their lives. Amen? Amen? And so if, you, if you're not there today, no pressure, man. But are you willing to at least ask God to show himself? To God, show yourself to me. This guy, I don't know, this guy was talking on Sunday. He said, you're real and you may be out there and maybe you have a purpose for my life. Right now, my life isn't full of good news. But if you got a good news message for me, would you, would you show it? Show it to me. And I promise he will. He will. So if you can at least think about that as you leave, it'd be awesome. Uh, but let, let me just pray for us this morning. Father, we worship you this morning. Thank you for the opportunity for us to get into your word, God. And your word points us back to you, God. And I pray that everybody this morning, God, is pointed back to you and your love and the extent to which God the Father came and, and what he did in order that through his son Jesus, we would come into life with you. Father, pray that we would hold that with much value, that we wouldn't take that message lightly, but we would study it and, and dissect it and, and practice even delivering it, God, so that the moment comes for us to testify and give you glory and, and, and tell somebody why we have faith in you, God, we wouldn't even hesitate, Lord. 
to deliver with clarity and integrity the truth of Jesus Christ. So we, we give you praise this morning that you are with us, that you're going before us. Father, I pray that you'd release your Holy Spirit, God, upon each person here, especially those this morning who uh, are, are visitors. I pray, God, that you would really come and, and reveal yourself to them. Yeah, we give you much praise, Lord, for our time together. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Uh, so, Maria, the, the team is going to close us. Um, we are at our journey time, so feel free to hang out and worship, but feel free to, uh, to leave as well. Um, I would say if you have kids, to go get your kids because they're at their journey time as well. But uh, thanks so much for this morning.